Hello and welcome to Tomlin's Harmonica Podcast, where I'll be hanging out with players and teachers and having conversations loosely based around harmonica. Today I'm really pleased to be joined by a harmonica player who's taken his love of hard rock guitar and blended it with classic harp playing to create a style that's led him to being described as the Hendrix of the harmonica. Let me introduce you to the one and only Will Wilde. Thank you so much for joining me today. How are you doing? Yeah, good, thanks. Glad to be here. <laughs> so yeah, for, for a little bit of context, um, this is uh, in the middle of the COVID-19 lockdown. Um, so I was chatting to Todd Parrott uh, a couple of months ago, and he was super excited about you coming over to the States for the Carolina Heart Fest, which is supposed to be on now, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, I was supposed to be there right now. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, obviously they they stopped all all the flights going into the US. So uh, we're gonna postpone that festival and do it sometime later in the year. So after you, the festival blown over. <laughs> so do you think it's gonna be uh, this year that that they're gonna do it, or postpone till next year? Um. I'm not entirely sure. I I can't remember what he said now. I've had so so many gigs and festivals rescheduled, or you know, uh, talking about rescheduling, but nobody really knows what's going to happen yet, do they? So it's totally nuts. Be the end of end of this year. Um, yeah. Or maybe even this summer, but who knows? Yeah. yeah. Well, like, what's it? What's it like? Because you're down in in Brighton, aren't you? Yeah. What's it like down there? Um, I mean, I don't know anyone that's got it or had it yet. Um, it's still pretty busy, actually, despite this lockdown. Like, I went for a, a bike ride the other day down the down the seafront, and the the promenade and the, the cycle path on the seafront were probably like the busiest I've ever seen them. Yeah, because obviously you're only allowed out to exercise, so everyone's just going for a bike ride or a run or a walk like all day long. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's weird because like, uh, well, I, I think a lot of people might be listening to this in the states, but basically we've been told by our government that we're all supposed to go out for a run every day, and that's yeah. it. And so, like, when you go outside, it's it's really busy which is really weird because we're also trying to self-isolate and all this kind of thing. Yeah, I think a lot of people are taking up running and cycling that didn't do it before, you know. Yeah. Oh, no doubt, no doubt. Um, yeah, everyone just sat inside on their phones before. Yeah. Now they're out jogging around. But you, you, you must be going nuts because, like, normally you'd be at the gym, uh, like, lifting weights and shit. Yeah, I mean, I've I've got dumbbells and barbells and things here, so I I can do home workouts, but um, it's quite nice in a way, uh, just having a bit of downtime to work on, uh, work, work on vocals, work on songwriting, uh, finish recording this album that I've been making. Uh, I have a, a small studio just up the road from here, so I can still be getting on with that. Um, yeah, you know, it's, it's a shame that all the gigs have been cancelled, but, um, aside from that, it's quite nice having time to be creative. Yeah, it's, uh, it's weird. I'm finding that as well. I, I've got all of my kind of non-musician friends are uh, calling me up being like, what, what do we do? What, like, what do we do when we're at home? And like, well, I'm I'm doing what I always do, you know. I'm I'm practicing and I'm writing stuff and I'm teaching and like it. It's kind of business as usual, apart from not leaving the flat quite so much. Um, yeah, but it's it's actually it's it's weird. Like I think that there's going to be this massive jump in in musicians' uh, playing standard like over the next six months because <laughs> like, everyone's at home woodshedding at the moment. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, everyone's going to come back like a progressive jazz artist. Yeah, totally. Like that that'll be the thing. Like so are you are you um are you shedding your your chops or are you just mainly writing and stuff? Yeah, I I mean most any time I have 
to practice these days are spent on vocals and writing. I okay. don't really sit down and practice harp that much. Um, yeah, the main times I play harp are in the studio when we're writing and recording or uh, live and when I'm teaching. But uh, yeah, I don't don't tend to, to practice like day to day. I go through phases, you know, every year or two, I might have a week where I get really into like practicing a lot. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't have a practice routine on the harp. I just play, you know, whenever I feel like it. So no, that's, that's yeah. fair. I, I think it's, um, I, I struggle with this like with with teaching and like I'm, I'm kind of telling students to um to, to practice a certain amount and you know practice daily and all this kind of thing um and then uh, like there have been huge chunks of the, of the last you know five or six years where i haven't really been practicing like i've been playing a lot but but kind right. of sitting down and taking some time out to practice isn't really something that i think about doing um right. I mean, at the moment, I'm really enjoying it, and and I'm working on some stuff that I've not worked on before. So, like, I I've had a chromatic harmonica sitting just just staring at me, being like, "Hey, you don't know how to play me," and I was like, "Yeah, I'll do that another time." <laughs> yeah, that's another can of worms. That yeah, uh, but you know, it's something you can just keep keep coming back to. And um, the good thing about music is there's infinite things you could learn. You know, even if you become the best at doing one thing you won't be the best at (laughs) doing another thing and another thing you know um so there's there's always something you can you can learn from someone else or from another style or uh you know inspiration you can find somewhere so no doubt do you do you not find so like you you had this uh you, you thought you'd be going over to the states for this workshop uh, do you yeah. not find when you've got events like that coming up that you start thinking a little bit more about your playing and you kind of shed a little bit, especially when there are people like Todd there because uh, he's, he's a bit of a beast. He is, but we're, we're completely different players, you know. Um, I really respect him for the stuff he does. Um, there's plenty of stuff he does that I can't do and there's probably a lot of stuff I do that he can't do. Oh, definitely. Um, so it's just diff- different players, you know. Um, we have a lot of respect for for each other, um, but no, I don't don't really don't really worry about that too much. No. That's cool. That's cool. I, w- I was watching a video of you at Spa uh, jamming with Jason Ritchie, and I was I was just mm. I was just trying to imagine like how I would feel in that scenario where he's just like Will Wild go. And I'm like, right. <laughs> what do you do? <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't know. Actually, I remember that jam. Um, and uh, I'd had quite a few beers before that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> to the point where, um, I don't know if any of you get this, where you, if you drink a lot of alcohol, beer especially, your mouth dries up. Yeah. Um, and almost to the point where like your lips are sticking to your gums. Oh no, <laughs> that's a lot of beer, dude. Like it's really not good. So, you know, yeah. Especially if you've got Jason or someone like that sat, sat next to you as well. But, uh, I think it, I think it was all right. Uh, no, it's, <laughs> it, it sounded killer. Um, it's just, yeah, I, it's one of those things like when you kind of, when I think of like fun things that I'd like to do you know, on my bucket list, like I, I would love to sit down with Jason, but then I, I would also have the fear at the same time. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, yeah. but, uh, it's, it's good, like, you just find playing with with people um, of that level. And at, at Spa, there's obviously a lot of pro players from all around the world, um, you know, that are all experts in their field of harmonica so it's just inspiring you know and if if you have to follow someone like that um it, it just kind of forces you to you know do something good 
<laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> if you're following someone who's crap, you know, then it doesn't really matter. You just knock out solo. But <laughs> if, uh, you know, if, if you're next to someone that's sort of world class, then you better do better do something world class to follow it. That's the way I look at it. No, that, that's so true. It, it's um, I don't. I think it, it's it's like anything. Like like if you play like sports or whatever. You don't you don't get a good game out of yourself if you're playing against someone who isn't better than you. That's it. Yeah, yeah. The the best way, um, and not just talking about other harmonica players, but I know for for myself, um, the main way I got better as a musician was playing with other players who were better than me. Um, yeah, I've always had good guitar players in my bands. Um, and uh, I've said before that that's where I think my style comes from, really having fast, fairly technical um, rock blues players in the band and then having to just match their intensity. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, playing with good rhythm section really helps as well. Uh, I, I still find if, you know, if, if you're playing with a, a, a rhythm section that's not got a great groove it's it can be really hard to you really have to dig deep to find something to play when you're soloing you know and you, that, that's when you tend to churn out your stock licks but if you've got a great groove going on it's like the instrument plays itself almost it's so true i like i i remember uh doing a gig years and years ago um with with like a band that i'd never played with before it was one of these kind of weird bands that had been put together to back up a singer um and like we 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 got on stage and 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 started playing and and the the drummer was really shaky but it it was okay Uh, and then the singer gave me the nod to take a solo i was playing guitar and and i took took the solo and and very quickly realized that I, I shouldn't have taken a solo at all because like I, I, I was kind of keeping everything solid rhythmically. Okay. And when I came back, the drummer was, was somewhere else. Very, very different, <laughs> different tempo, different feel. I was like, Oh God, that was, that was a big mistake. And yeah, having a really solid rhythm section, it just, it changes everything. It like, they don't get any of the praise, but, but they make life so much easier for the, the person who gets all of the limelight. Yeah for sure absolutely um so like i remember you telling me this story and and i i was trying to i was trying to remember it correctly but when you did prison walkways Mm. did like did you know gary Moore before that was that something that you were planning on doing with him um no not exactly no um so what's the story tell us the kind of uh encountered him on a couple of occasions um the first time i was about 18 or 19 and my band was playing in a, a tiny little pub in brighton called the ranala in Kemptown, and that was gary's local because he lived in brighton and he knew the owners of that place and occasionally he'd come down and do a gig there uh, but they wouldn't announce it because you can only fit about like 50 people in, you know, and it's grand wall to wall. So uh, this night that my band were playing, he was, he was there. He kind of walked in halfway through the set and we weren't that good back then really. <laughs> and um, a friend of mine was standing at the bar and uh Someone said to to Gary, who was at the bar too, like, "Oh, what what do you think? Um, these guys are pretty good, right?" And he just went, eh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, "I'll show him how it's done." Uh, and he he got up a bit a bit later and and played, uh, which was really cool. But um, yeah, I saw him again uh, at a festival somewhere in the north of England um, when I was playing with my sister's band. And uh, he he really liked my sister and the version she did of uh, what's that song called? Um, Rather go blind. And uh, he told her that if she recorded that 
a song on an album that he would come in and, and play guitar on it. And she, uh, yeah, she, she messaged him and tried, tried to sort it out. Um, and it, it sort of didn't happen in time and he died not, not long afterwards. So yeah, you know, um, he never got to hear my version of his song. Uh, I like to think that he would, uh, approve if, if he could hear it, but, uh, yeah. There, there is absolutely no doubt that he would approve. It's a, a ridiculously cool version. Uh, and I, I'm going to put that in the show. I'm sure everyone's heard it, but I'm going to put it in the show notes just in case. Um, cause it, yeah, it's, it's a, a ridiculous cover. I, I really enjoy it. Uh, and also what watching, watching will play it live. Um, I think you do it in the video as well, but, but, uh, but he, he switches between harmonicas. Um, do you have like a magnet holding them together? Yeah. There's like a thin strip of, of magnet between the two harps. Uh, it's just kind of the easiest way I found of holding two together and it puts a little bit of space in between them. So you can still get a good, uh, good pucker on each one. But so, so what, what, what were you doing? What keys were you playing and like, what was the, the switch for? So it's uh it's an A minor natural minor tune tap uh-huh. played in in second. Okay. Uh, so basically that's a, a D harp with the thirds flattened on it. Okay. Um, and the other harp is a, a standard C in fourth position. So I'm playing Aeolian mode on the on the C. Okay. Uh, and I'm playing the the natural minor harp in in second. Um. The reason for having two is uh, you you can play the whole song on on one or the other, right? All all the notes are there mm-hmm. on both harps. Uh, the reason for having two is just to do with the way that each phrase lays out. Um, so I play one phrase on one and then one phrase on the other. Uh, I wanted to get as many of the big uh, the big sort of expressive draw notes. Um, or the, the big expressive notes to be draw notes mm-hmm. right? uh, so that they're bendable and you can get more vibrato on them. Uh, and also it's to do with uh, where the double stops, how the double stops lay out too. Um, I'll show you on a harp. It's the easiest way. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a single note. Okay. And that's a double stop. So yeah so basically i just chose which harp was gonna sound best for each phrase you know i quite often use more than one harp in a song um it's nuts like i i I struggle so much with with switching uh harmonicas because i i'll quite often uh be doing something like uh when i play superstition i'll play um, like most of the tune uh, on a, a G harp in second to kind of mm-hmm. get the, the low down chugging rhythm stuff. And then I'll solo in third on a, on a C harp just, just so that it cuts through a little bit more. Cause yeah, that's G, it. G yeah. doesn't really cut through quite the same way with a band. Um, and it's just, it's that, that thing of like trying to switch and, and not look like, like a complete idiot while you're doing it. It's such a nuisance. Um, it's just something you have to practice, isn't it? I guess. <laughs> yeah, you get used to it after a while. I mean, I've been doing that for like nearly ten years now, so it's quite quite natural. But if if there's a song, I I try and limit it to two harps per song. Any more <laughs> than that, and then it then it does start to get kind of awkward. Um, yeah, on a record, you know, I might use more than that on a song. Um, so some people kind of see it as sort of cheating or something, you know, if you choose to switch up just to play a phrase or a note. Um, and it's not really, it's just about what's going to sound the best, you know? Yeah. I think, I think that's, that's the most important thing to remember about harmonica. For about stop. Well, yeah. Sound is not about something being difficult to do necessarily. You know, I'd rather play something, an easy way that sounds really good to the ear than do something really technical that sounds like crap. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I, I remember I had this student who came in uh, years ago 
and he had taught himself to overblow and overdraw um, and had learnt all of the uh, like all 12 positions on a C harmonica and cool. yeah, could, yeah. Could, could play in any key but yeah none of the notes sounded nice and, yeah. and it was it was really difficult and that doesn't mean that you can't make it sound nice because i mean howard levy does a great job um and there there are plenty of other players who can nail that that kind of overblow overdraw thing but i think sometimes like the more players that i talk to about it you know the, the more i realize that even people who can overblow and overdraw will still play harmonicas that are tuned like country tuned to get that major seventh because it sounds better and it just it just makes sense you've got to service the music rather than uh anything else and if it sounds sweeter a certain way then do it that way that's it yeah i mean this i got country tuned harp here um if you were playing that major seven you couldn't get that kind of tone and vibrato on an overblow no matter how good you are at overblowing um it won't be as pure and no. resonant a sound as that um so i think it's you know it's definitely worth learning to get all the overblows and overdraws and learning to play chromatically because it improves your understanding of theory and the instrument generally uh and there are times when you you kind of have to overblow or overdraw to access certain notes. But um, I prefer to use various tunings um, to get those notes where where possible because I, I just think it sounds better most of the time. Yeah. And and you've you've uh, this is a great point to to chat about something that you've developed which is your own tuning uh, which kind of I, I think well, from my perspective, it, it fixes the whole issue of needing to hit that six overblow if you want to get the the minor third. Do you want right. to do you want to tell us a little bit about about yeah. your tuning and and the thinking sure. behind it? So it's um the concept is very similar to some of Brendan Powers' tunings, uh, if if you're familiar with them, uh, in that all of the draw notes are able to bend from one to ten. Uh, on a standard harp, you can't bend the draw notes in holes 7 to 10. So um, on my tuning, holes 1 to 5 are exactly the same as standard. So you don't lose anything there. Um, hole 6 has been changed uh, so that when you're playing in second position, your root note, which would have been blow 6, is now a draw note. And it behaves exactly the same as hole two so you can get a nice vibrato on it and you can bend it a full tone down to a uh, a flat seven so <clears throat> so that that's kind of one thing <laughs> that i was trying to address with this um you know guitar players are always bending their their b string up to that note <clears throat> and we can't really do that um, because we've got that note as blow six, which doesn't bend. So it just kind of sounds sounds a bit flat. Um, so above hole six, uh, I've made it so all of the draw notes there can bend as well. Uh, so holes six, seven, and eight are basically the same as holes two, three, and four. Uh, so you can get your Minor third is just a half step bend in hole seven, just like you would in hole three. And you can get your flat five as a half step bend in hole eight, just like you do in hole four. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Uh, and then hole nine is like hole two again. Uh, hole 10 is is an idea that um, I got from, from Brendan Power that I really liked um which is basically switching the blow and the draw reads around in hole 10 so that that kind of whammer jammer blow bend mm -hmm. becomes a, a draw bend now nice and so do you find that you you predominantly use that tuning uh, mm. or is it just for specific tunes specific uh, songs if i'm playing straight blues which i don't really anymore in my band then i usually use standards 
in the current set with my band, it's like 80 or 90% my tuning and the rest on, on standard. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Certainly for, for the rock stuff, it's just, as I started writing more rock material and less and less 12 bar blues, I was, I actually ended up playing guitar on a, on a lot of the new tracks I was writing because the harp just didn't have the intensity to it that I wanted, you know, um, and that, that was one of the things that led me to develop this tune. And, uh, and now I don't play any guitar live anymore. I just play harp. Uh, <clears throat> but yeah, I do do a lot of that kind of high end squealy uh, guitar like stuff. And do you, do you run it through effects and stuff? Um, on the, on the record we've been making, which is long overdue, by the way, I haven't put out an album for ages and the last album was a, a covers album. So, you know, we're really due a new original record. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, on, on this new one, I've been using quite a lot of effects. Um, the amp I've been using is a Mesa Boogie Mark IV, uh, which isn't a typical uh harp amp at all i don't think i know of anyone that uses one um so that's like a dual rectifier amp uh it's quite high gain um i'm just gonna interrupt very briefly yeah, just 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 for uh harmonica players that that don't play guitar like mm. th this is kind of traditionally like like quite quite a kind of hard rock heavy metal sounding amp for guitar so like does it give you that that hard rock does it give you the kind that kind of tone on harmonica uh yeah i mean, you have to play to the sound mm -hmm. um if if you went and played like little water style tongue block shuffle stuff through it it sound terrible but if if you're playing in the in that style uh then it, it really works um so yeah, the, I've been using the the Mesa um, uh, with a low impedance SM58, um, <clears throat> which again is kind of the opposite of what the traditional harp thing is. <laughs> uh, so usually for like Chicago blues, we'd use a high impedance mic and a fairly low gain amp, and use the mic to push the amp. Uh, but I'm using a low impedance mic. And then using the gain on the amp to get the you know the breakup and the mm -hmm. distortion. So it's a more kind of compressed, smoother distortion than you would get with a Fender or something. Um, yeah, as far as effects, uh, there's always a bit of reverb and delay in my sound. Um, I've been using like a, a wah pedal, Crybaby wah. Nice. Um, Univibe. Uh, we used a, a ring modulator, which is crazy sound. A track called "Take the Best of Me." Um, I'm sure I've used other stuff on this record. I can't think right now, but but yeah, it's it's just to just to add a bit of something. It, it's not like you know the effect is the sound. You know, um, live I, I'm still playing through through a fender at the moment just with reverb uh partly because uh you can get into feedback issues using my studio setup live on stage um and partly just out of laziness <laughs> <laughs> not wanting to set up a massive rig with loads of pedals but uh yeah <laughs> that that's the thing that's really funny when when you kind of you, you look at uh sort of the the practicalities of of doing like pro touring and stuff versus like the the hobby musician and and like when 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 the hobby musician sees the pros rig and they're like why don't you have loads and loads of stuff it's like Cause, so i don't have to carry it every time and set it up every yeah. time <laughs> yeah <laughs> I went, uh, I went through a phase of using a, a Fractal Audio Axe FX, which is, uh, for anyone that doesn't know, it's kind of like a Kemper uh, or like a Line 6 Helix kind of thing. 
but the, really like, high like, end. Uh, sort of uh, digital modeling of modeling, yeah. So it's, and apps it's and stuff. Computer, really. Um, and it's obviously it's for guitar, but it's it's got just about every amp inside of it that you can imagine all the fenders all the marshals everything uh it's got about 50 different overdrive pedals in it and every effect you could ever want uh and that's actually what i used on parisian um it's not a real amp on that it's uh you know a simulation but they sound and respond just the same as the real thing pretty much uh, I think I was modeling a, a Marshall 1959 SLP on that, nice. uh, which I think is the amp that uh, might be the amp that Gary Moore used for guitar, actually. But that it sounds like the, like the kind of thing he would use, definitely. Um, did you find that that your audience were uh, receptive when you kind of moved away from the bluesy stuff and more towards the the rocky stuff? uh yeah i mean it, it was quite a gradual transition um which hasn't really finished yet um anyone that's seen us live in the past uh sort of six months will have witnessed the new uh you know the rebirth of the band um but there's nothing out on record yet that's um you know representative of what i do now you know uh-huh. at all um yeah so the, the, you know the covers album that we did that was a few years ago now uh it's still i'd still call it a blues rock record really mm-hmm. um whereas the one we're making right now is just a hard rock record yeah. um but so- it, it's interesting though because you you say it's it's blues rock and and yeah i would agree but it's it's a style of blues playing that doesn't traditionally feature harmonica. Yeah, that that was the main idea behind that record, actually. Um, <clears throat> to let to let you in on a secret, the reason I made that covers album, I can say it now, uh, <laughs> was just to get out of a record deal that I was trapped in. <laughs> I had to do one more album to fulfill the contract and I didn't want to give them any more originals because I kind of knew they would be wasted on that label. So we did a covers record. But um, yeah, the, the idea was to do a bunch of songs that, uh, you know, would kind of push the boundaries with the harp a bit, uh, stuff that you wouldn't expect to hear harp on. Mm-hmm. or some of them are songs that have harp in the original like lazy had gillen played a bit of harp in the original um but i took all of uh richie blackmore's guitar lines and sort of translated those to harp so it was quite fun trying to find uh you know find 10 or 12 songs that would translate well to to harp that you know that you wouldn't expect to hear yeah, it's uh, it's interesting because I I've kind of gone through um, a kind of opposite move with with my playing, right. uh, where like I kind of because I, I I came to, to harmonica from guitar first. Did did, did you play guitar before harmonica? Uh, I was a drummer. You were a drummer. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We'll we'll talk about that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so like I I started with with hum- with guitar. Um, and then I, I had to stop playing guitar cause I got tendonitis in my wrists. So right. I started playing harmonica and I, all I wanted to do was play guitar stuff on harmonica. So right. I didn't learn any of the traditional harmonica stuff for years and years. And I got really sucked into doing the, the overblow playing and all that yeah. kind of stuff. Um, and only recently over the last kind of two, three years, I, I've kind of gotten heavily into like the tongue blocking thing the really traditional blues harmonica stuff and any time that i want to do like guitar stuff i'm now gradually coming back to guitar for it and right. kind of playing both instruments um and i'm still i'm kind of jealous that that you've you've made it work on harmonica that you've put that time and effort in and you can now do all the guitar stuff on it because it sounds brilliant thanks cheers yeah, I mean, I had quite, a, like, going way back, I 
had quite a guitar-y sound from the beginning um, by accident, um, like kind of trying to copy sort of Sunny Boy and old bluesy stuff. But when I was learning, um, I think I was 16 or 17, and we didn't, I don't know if we had YouTube back then, but if, if we did, I wasn't really aware of it or using it. I think it was still dial-up, so it probably... <laughs> back in the old days. But, um, yeah, I I kind of heard that you're supposed to have a valve amp, and I couldn't afford a proper valve amp, so I, I had a solid-state amp with a valve in the preamp, uh, which had more of a kind of shreddy guitar-like sound. And I was using a low-impedance mic, back then too um i wasn't aware that tongue blocking was a thing so i puckered and um yeah the the sound i've gone back to recently is kind of similar to that earlier sound that (laughs) that i had you know um obviously in, in between i went and learned the more traditional way of playing and traditional way of setting up a rig and that but uh yeah i think it's it's good it's good to to have all these skills and then that that's how you can develop your own thing and i think you you really have developed your own sound which is is something that can be quite lacking in the harmonica community yeah we we sometimes look look (laughs) at a lot of the old stuff like the kind of pre-1970 uh harmonica players and that's what we want to sound like yeah for sure um i mean most blues players as soon as you listen to them kind of fall into one of three or four schools really they're either kind of little walter style sunny boy style george harmonica smith style or maybe like sunny terry style um to my ear at least anyway do you know what i mean it's it's Mm -hmm. sort of just lots of variations on one of those themes. And that's another reason why I've decided just not to play 12 bar blues anymore, because every harmonica player pretty much for the last, what, 70 years (laughs) has just played that material. Yeah. You know, and it's really, it's one song. Charlie Musselwhite said it, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> he said, I really only play one song. He goes, sometimes I play it fast, sometimes I play it slow, but it's all just one song. And it, it is really, I mean, it's all one progression. So if you're playing the same instrument as everyone else, always over the same, more or less the same chord progression as everyone else, that everyone has been doing for decades, it's going to be very, very difficult to come up with your own sound over that. You know, unless you just do something way outside of the box over the top of it. Um, so in, in the last kind of year, two years, my, my interest has, has just been in songwriting. Um, yeah, just just writing songs, and then the harp is usually the last thing to go on. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. cool. So, uh, when you're writing the songs, uh, do you then do you generally write with a guitar for kind of chord progressions? Like, what's the process? Yeah. Uh, well, I've kind of tried different processes. Uh, the one that works, that seems to work the most for me at the moment. I have two writing partners. Um, I have uh, Sarah Starbuck, who I write lyrics with. Um, She's not a musician at all. She's uh, an author and a writer, but obviously she's good with words. So um, she'll write poetry, essentially, on on a theme. Uh, And then I'll take that and usually change it or add to it and move things around uh, and sit down with a guitar and, and come up with with a song. Uh, and then I'll take that to our guitar player, Steve, and, and kind of finish the songwriting process with him. 
uh, so refining it, he he might add in sections or, or change some of the chords, and uh, yeah, and we we kind of produce it that way. So that's cool. Yeah, and that that's the process I'm most interested in. Really, is is the creative process rather than the sort of imitating other people process. <laughs> that's fair that's fair um i think okay so you you've ch- you've been chatting about this new album do you know yeah. when it's gonna be out oh my god i know <laughs> would probably have been out already but as um you probably heard i broke my neck last summer last june i broke my neck and my back in a motorbike crash so but yeah i, w- I was out of action for most of last year and then this year has been relatively quiet so far on the gig front. It was about to get really busy this month. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I had Italy and America lined up and then I've got a lot more dates coming up. Uh, and then this uh, coronavirus things happened and, and kind of uh, stamped all of that out. So, um, yeah, this is like my second, it could be my second summer shut indoors. So I'm just going to use this time now to finally get this record finished, you know. But um, but it's it's been a, a, a learning curve, um, new way of writing, co-writing with other people, because uh, I always wrote all of it myself mm-hmm. up till now. Um, and, yeah, just, just writing in, in a different genre, essentially. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know if if it was up to me i would i would probably go and erase all my previous albums from spotify and youtube and everything and just start again with this one because um yeah it's uh, as far as i'm concerned it's it's a much higher standard than the previous work but i i'm sure it's going to be awesome but i think people really like to like when 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 they like an artist they like to see the progression and Mm. they like to see where things started and you know people are going to discover you through the new album and then they're going to go back and be like whoa look look like what he sounded like back in the day because yeah that's that's what i'm worried about (laughs) but that that's brilliant i mean especially if you're like you know you're really pleased that you've progressed so much and the stuff you put out before was was really good and really strong, so people are gonna be like, "Well, I can I can hear that he's better. It was still good back then." Yeah, um, I mean, I've never, I've I've kind of always liked my harp playing. Really, I don't really have a problem with that. But um, yeah, it's it's my vocals have improved a lot, and the writing's improved. Uh, you know, in the, in the last couple of years, as I said all, all I've really been working on and in my downtime is, is vocals and writing. So, um, and out, outside of the kind of niche harmonica community, unless the vocals and the songs are good, it doesn't matter how good the harp is, you know, I wouldn't want to listen to it if the, <laughs> if yeah. the vocal and the song was crap, you know, cause that's essentially what it's about. The, the harp is just, you know, a bonus or, you know, an, uh, an element on, on top of that. No, definitely. Like, I think, I think we, we all forget that it's, it's there as, as everything else in, in the mixes is to service the, the music and to, to make the music better, but it's not, it's not the, the main feature. Um, yeah. It's quite weird. Cause like, I know that I don't, I don't listen to a ton of harmonica music. Like right. I, I love harmonica, I love playing it, uh, and I have listened to a lot of harmonica music. But like, I tend to listen to electronic music and like ambient stuff and dance stuff. Uh, and I feel like you probably don't listen to a lot of harmonica music either. Not really anymore, no. Um, I, I, but you know, I grew up hearing a lot of a lot of blues, uh, a lot of Muddy Waters, Sonny Boy Williamson in particular. Uh, John Lee Hooker and stuff like that, Alan Wolf. Um, so it's always kind of been around me, and it's it's inspired me whether I wanted it to or not, you know. Uh, <laughs> but then in my sort of teenage years, I was into 
uh, well, I was a goth basically, so I was into Marilyn Manson and stuff like that, uh, and the kind of new metal scene, Rage Against the Machine, bands like that. Um, and I, with with this new album that I'm working on, there's definitely some of that in there as well. You know, some of those kind of the sort of uh, heavy minor pentatonic kind of riffs that that rage would do nice um yeah but there's always an element of of blues in there as well i don't think i'd ever be able to get away from that really um but i don't think there's anything wrong with that i think no like like keeping keeping blues music going is very cool and there are, there are some bands that are doing a really great job at doing new blues without it being a 12 bar. Yeah. <laughs> like, like the Black Keys. And Black Keys, uh, Rival Sons are one of my favorite bands at the moment. Rival Sons are brilliant. And yeah, like all of that. And even like White Stripes, they, they kind of brought the blues back into uh, people's conscience, uh, I think, uh, when, they, when they came out. What was it, like 2000 or whatever? Um, and yeah, it's, it's not a 12 bar blues, but it gets people thinking about that language and about those scales and chords. Um, so it, it's cool that you're, you're, you're still using that. Um, are you, you said that you're doing rage style stuff. Are you going to do some Zach De La Rocha kind of hip hop um, type thing? <laughs> there's no hip hop or rap uh, elements in, in this record, oh, man. man. That's a shame. <laughs> I did rap on a record once, though, on my Unleashed album. Oh, yeah. uh, there's a song called Blues Is My First Love that does have a rap verse on it. But, uh, are are yeah. you proud of that rap verse? Do you want us to share it? Oh, man. Uh, yeah, you can share that if you want. What, what's the song called? It's called Blues Is My First Love. Blues. I'll check it out and I'll, I'll link it in the show notes. I, I yeah. just want to hear you rapping. Like, that, That's that, that sounds like awesome. 2010. But that album was quite uh, eclectic. Some of it's straight blues, some of it's kind of soul, some of it's rock. You know, it was a bit um, all over the place. Uh-oh. That's cool. <laughs> um, so I noticed that you were doing uh, some live stream gigs during uh, lockdown. Is yeah, that happening? we have one tomorrow night. Um, let's see if I can find the details for it. Uh, it's called the Lockdown Music Festival. Uh, cool. It's the second episode because they did one last week, I think. Uh, so it's uh, if you go to facebook.com forward slash Lockdown Music Festival, we are playing at 9.20 p.m. Um, it's just a short like 20-minute set. Uh, but we did want to play with the full band and play the new material. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> with the, the kind of most recent uh, lockdown restrictions, we can't really do that and have four guys in the room. Uh, so it will just be me and Steve, our guitar player. Uh-huh. Uh, we'll, we'll probably still play some of the new material, but just... Are, are you going to sit two meters oh. away from each other? Uh, I don't really know, to be honest. <laughs> I don't know if there's room for us to do that in our studio, but, uh, yeah. That's fair. Yeah. Our, this, this will be going out, um, a couple of days after, uh, the, the lockdown music festival. So hopefully there'll be some videos that I can, uh, link up in the show notes so people can watch it. Um, do you plan, like, are you going to do any more of that kind of online stuff, like if, if imagining we're locked down for three or four months. Yeah, uh, maybe. I don't know about gigs, but um, I'll probably do something. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly I'll be putting out some more YouTube tutorials and um, uh, I might do a, a sort of live Q&A type thing. Um, I did, did one the other day, actually, just a spontaneous... Q&A slash jam session where I just uh, turned the camera on and played over some tracks and took questions and things as as I went. So, nice. yeah, I'll probably do more of that. You should, you should. I think um, I'm noticing that there's there's a ton more uh, really cool content being 
pushed out by all of these creative people who are stuck inside and just yeah. need to be creative. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I've noticed ev- everyone's a Skype teacher now as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Are you are you taking students on at the moment? I am still, yeah. Um, I mean, I've been doing Skype lessons for quite a few years now. Um, so yeah, I'm around a lot at the moment. If anyone wants to Skype with me, nice. I will. I will put uh, put your details uh, in the show notes so people can get in touch. And uh, I can I can really vouch for uh, Will as a teacher. Please please don't take this personally. Uh, but when when I booked you to come and do the uh, Edinburgh Harmonica workshop, yeah, uh, I booked you for your rock star appeal and okay. and to be the kind of exciting harmonica player. And I didn't know that you were a great teacher. And and um, then people started coming out of your first workshop and just coming up to me like, oh my god, Will Wilde is such a great teacher as well. It's like awesome. <laughs> He's got the whole package. Well, you know, teaching's been my sort of day job as it were or the thing that supports my uh career for like 10 years now so yeah 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 i'm quite experienced in the teaching department no will will's a great teacher and uh, if you want to get some skype lessons then he's definitely a good person to get in touch with um cool is there anything else you want to promote before we uh, wrap things up um I don't think so. Um, I mean, you can find all my tour dates on the website. It's willharmonicawild.com. Um, yeah, the ones kind of later in the year should <laughs> should still be going ahead <laughs> at this point. Anything that's up there uh, as it stands is going ahead. Um, you can find my uh, wild-tuned rock harmonicas on my website too. Uh, and cds and t-shirts and things like that <laughs> very cool well i'll link all that stuff up so people can uh get to it nice and easily um uh, yeah thank you so much for for agreeing to do this it's uh, it's been good catching up um joe I, I really can't wait until i can just book you to come and do something in person i'm so itchy to like do stuff with people outside (laughs) so like i'll be calling you to say right edinburgh harmonica workshop in person as soon as we're out of lockdown next one uh oh mate so the next one was supposed to be in may uh and i've just cancelled it uh yesterday um because like venues have cancelled and uh, yeah yeah all the obvious reasons but there, there will be one next year unless this turns into <laughs> a very long pandemic but uh, i don't think it will uh, cool man right i will let you get on with the rest of your evening thank you so much for this and uh, take it easy thanks i'll see you soon thank you so much for listening to this episode of tomlin's harmonica podcast don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating and review on your podcast player of choice Join me next Monday for the next episode. Happy harping! <laughs>